Good morning, beloved. Our text for this morning is on the screen. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. I will read from verse 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And that is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we commit the reading, the singing, the praying, the exhortation, the fellowship, the talking, everything we do. We commit it to you. We commit it in the name of Christ. Our offerings, our benevolence, our giving, whatever it is we do, when we gather, receive it, not in our righteousness, we have none, but receive it in the righteousness of your Son. Receive it because we offer it to you in his name. And Father, help us as we gather. Bless your word, not only here, but wherever your word is preached, wherever Christ is announced, be glorified, and your kingdom come, be honored. In Jesus' name, amen. What kind of a person are you? Are you a grateful person, or are you a grumbling person? Your life marked by gratitude, or is it marked by complaining? When you gather at the office or the break room, and you just chit chatting during lunch, how are you known at work? As a complainer, the grumbler, the fault finding, or as the encourager, grateful? Joyful employee. Gratitude. Yes, we know gratitude as an expression of common courtesy. Gratitude is a, an expression of having, possessing social graces. So we teach our children, since they are very little, to say thank you. We teach our daughters when somebody says, oh, what a beautiful dress. How do you say thank you? Because it is Common grace. We actually learn to say thank you in other languages when, when we travel. We ask, how do you say thank you? How do you say bathroom and thank you? Right? And thank you. Grazie. Merci. Arigato gozaimasu. Hi. Dankeschön. Whatever it is. Whatever is the language that you want to practice your Thanksgiving, we learn it. How do you say thank you in, in Filipino? Salama. Ah, very nice. Somebody said it there, so you speak Filipino. Oh, very good. Very good. Very good. Somebody yields in traffic. Something which is a rarity in Miami, I know that. But somebody yields. What do we do? We flick the lights and wave. Somebody opens or holds the door for us. We nod and say thank you. We're accustomed to say thank you. But most of us use thank you or express gratitude triggered by an act of perceived kindness, right? We don't nod when somebody 
does something vulgar to us or whatever, normally we express gratitude when good things happen. Good gift, an act of kindness. But Paul is not teaching about good manners in this passage. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 is not about, well, say, teach your children to say thanks. No, it's not about good manners. It's about an attitude. It's about a disposition. Wow. Somebody calling. Unbelievable. In the midst of a sermon, and I have my phone here because of the clock for you guys not to get bored with me. Uh, Let me just put the volume down. Anything happens. So anyways, I was saying that that gratitude for us, it's, it's an expression. It's triggered by something good. But Paul is not teaching good manners. Paul is teaching having a disposition, an attitude of gratitude. This is part of a turnout we have considered already. Three things that Paul brings as the fabric of what makes a Christian, a person who has understood the gospel, who has received Christ, who has perceived the forgiveness, the forgiveness of sin in the gospel. What does that cause a person to be? And Paul brings this turn of rejoice always. We said rejoicing is hoping God always. It's not be happy. Hoping God all the times. Pray without ceasing. Talk to God always. And give thanks in all things. Give honor to God's providence and recognize his presence and his provision always, at every moment. So have that disposition of rejoicing, of praying, and of being grateful. Forgiving, we said it's not a feeling. It's a mental attitude of bypassing the offense not bearing a grudge, and moving on. It has nothing to do with how I feel. It has to do with what I think about people who make my life miserable. It is not how I feel about my toxic co-worker, but what I think when I feel the toxicity of that person, or what I think. And I decide to either pray for that person, or just let it bypass me. The same goes with rejoicing. It is not an emotion. It is a disposition. It is an attitude. It is honoring God's goodness at all times. It is trusting his provision. It is simply saying, I acknowledge God's presence, therefore I will rejoice. I will hope in him even though he slay me. As Job said. And then gratitude goes in the same line. Be grateful at all times. In every circumstance, whatever translation you're using, in all things, be grateful. Gratitude is a disposition. Psalm Psalm 92 expresses it as, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. Yeah, but this morning, you don't know how how difficult it was to get the kids off bed this morning. You don't know what challenge I had with my spouse this morning. You don't know what fight we had in the car as we were coming to church. No, I don't know. You don't know mine either. But again, (laughs) gratitude is a disposition. 
I will enter the courts of God with thanksgiving and with praise, regardless of my circumstances, because in everything I will be grateful. In our text, gratitude is a commandment. Paul is not exhorting us to be grateful. Paul is commanding us, in everything, give thanks. Even when this person keeps interrupting your sermon as you're trying to preach it, and things happen that distract you, in everything, give thanks. Could have been a lot worse. Now, there's a syntax note we have to make. The text is still there. Yeah, it's there in the blue stripe. In everything. When we read the Bible, or we read any text, but especially the Bible, we have to mind our prepositions. The text doesn't say, give thanks for everything. It says, in everything, give thanks. Big difference. God is saying, in your circumstances, keep a grateful attitude. If God would have been saying, for everything that happens to you, give thanks, that would be cruel. That would be ludicrous. Sometimes we Christians can be cruel and ludicrous. I've had, I've had people tell me things like, oh, but, but you have to give thanks to God for your special child. No. <laughs> I give thanks to God in the midst of the affliction of having a special child. But not for the dark providence. If you're a widow, you're divorced, you're, you were laid off, you're having financial problems, you're having difficulties with your children, you're having whatever it is that grieves you, that pains you, and all of us have pains. As, as sparks fly up in the air, man is born for affliction. Whatever it is that bothers you, give thanks in those circumstances. Because God is in charge. God is in control. Hope in him. Trust him. We give thanks because Jesus gave the example of giving thanks. Jesus was a grateful man. God on earth, and at the same time, the perfect man was a grateful man. The return of those he sent to preach, the 70, they came all excited. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And they were like, they're children. Jesus says, don't don't be happy because of that. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And that the thought of redemption, of the thought of him saving those he sent to preach, Jesus prayed, Father, I thank you that you hid these things from the wise and the learned, but you revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, because that was pleasing in your sight. Jesus was grateful that salvation didn't come to the prestigious, to the great, to the honorable. Jesus was grateful that he revealed himself to those who are broken and little and like children. Jesus was grateful when he broke bread to the multitude, at the multiplication of bread and fish. 
he lifted up his eyes to heaven, and when he started to pass the bread, he gave thanks. He acknowledged the providence and the provision of him whom, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8 or 9, gives seed to the sower. So he did the miracle, but he acknowledged that that miracle happened because of God's providing bread and fish. Before Lazarus' tomb, it's fascinating to hear him before the tomb with his friend inside the tomb. He said, Father, I thank you that you always hear me. And then he makes a notation, I know you always hear me, but I'm thanking you because of the multitude. I want them to know that you always hear me. Perhaps comes to mind that sometimes we have to pray. And yes, we're praying to God, but we're also mindful of the audience. We, we pray and we're thinking about those who are hearing us as we pray. We want their hearts and their thoughts to be pointed to God. Many times we're very self-centered as we pray. It's like, the, like, like if the world, like if, like if we were the center of the universe, and even praying in public, we say I, and we pray for me, and about me, and about my circumstances. And, and, and Jesus prays before Lazarus' tomb, and he's not even thinking about himself or Lazarus. He's thinking about the multitude, and he wants to bring honor to God in the context of that prayer. And then, of course, and to me this is mind-boggling, during the Last Supper, Paul says Jesus took bread and gave thanks. He had told his disciples, my heart, my soul is disturbed to the point of death. He knew he was going to the cross. He knew he was going to be accursed and be made accursed for sin on the cross. And even with that perspective and sight, he gave thanks for that new covenant that was going to be inaugurated after his death and resurrection. Then, of course, we have Paul's example as well. Paul started most of his letters. I think Galatians is, a, is an exception. But most of his letters start with his, his expression of thanksgiving about those whom he's writing to. Now, if you read Paul's letters, if you have read them, you realize that they are problem issues. They are problem-solving letters. He's addressing conflict, problems, heresies, issues in the churches, things that bothered him. And he had to write a letter and, and spend the money of sending it and having, having, it, having it read to the churches. Because there were problems happening. Troublemakers were disturbing the faith of the saints. However, at the beginning of his letter, he prays with thanksgiving, even for the Corinthians. And if there's a church you don't want to be part of, is that Corinthian church. The, every problem under the sun they had. And yet, his first chapter is, I thank you because you have been enriched. I thank God that you have been enriched in every spiritual gift. I thank God that you will be sanctified and perfected. In spite of all the problems they had. Paul's example, praying from a prison in Philippi, or actually from a prison in Rome, writing to the Philippians. And he's in prison. He's guarded by the Praetorian guard in Rome. And while he's there, he receives an offering from the Macedonians. And he expresses gratitude 
for the abundant abundance of the gift received by those churches in Macedonia. But he was imprisoned. He was not on a cruise ship. He was not on vacation. He was not enjoying life. He was suffering for the gospel. He was suffering opposition even from other Christians who preached for contention and who preached to add pains to his chains. But he said, I, I'm, I'm grateful for the abundant offering you gave. And by the way, when there's no offering, I'm also grateful because I have learned to be content and to be satisfied in Christ who strengthens me in all things. Breaking bread during the shipwreck. To me, that's fascinating. He's in a shipwreck. I, every time I go boating, and I have friends who have boats, because I couldn't have a boat, I, I would kill myself. But whenever I go boating, I just see the ocean, and it's so scary. So, and I imagine, what if something happens here? Here's Paul on a shipwreck. God appears to him the night before says, no worries, all of you will be saved. Just remain in the ship until it runs aground. So he tells him, okay, guys, this thing is going is to go, it's going to run aground. We're going to be in trouble, but it's time to eat now. So you have enough strength to go swimming to the shore. And he passes them bread and give thanks at a shipwreck. Why? Because in everything, gratitude is an attitude. Thanksgiving is a sacrifice of praise. Thanksgiving ascends to God as a sweet-smelling aroma. It is the sacrifice of lips that praise and confess God's provision, God's protection, God's presence. Hebrews 13.15 speaks of that. It is a humble recognition that without Christ, we can do nothing. Remember that passage in John 15? I am the vine. You are the branches. Aside from me, you can do nothing. So when we give thanks in everything, we are acknowledging, I am here because you brought me here. I'm not necessarily getting the point, but you're here. Thank you. Whatever it is, please get me out of here soon, but thank you. If it is a bad providence, if it is a good providence, thank you, Lord. I didn't do this with my own effort. I didn't. I don't have this because I deserve it. I have it because you provide it. I wake up in the morning. Many times I, I tell the Lord, thank you that I woke up in this comfortable bed and under this roof that you have lent to me so that I may spend my earthly life here. Oh, but I am the one who has worked hard and I have control of my finances and I am the one who lives... No, you don't. Yes, thank you. You did all that? Awesome. Yes, you did it. But it is God who gives you strength to prosper. As he told Israel before entering Canaan, whatever we do, whatever we are, whatever we have, comes from him. So we thank him. We thank him even in our anxiety. Be anxious for nothing, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing. Let your requests, your supplications, your petitions... You are pleading, you're beseeching God for what causes you anxiety. Yes, please bring it to him. Then Paul adds, let them be known to God with thanksgiving. So even in my anxiety, I'm expressing to God, I trust you. I trust your wisdom. 
and I trust your protection. I may not be understanding what's going on, but thank you for being here. And I invite you to try this. I was talking to someone this morning and says, oh, I have those same problems. He says, yeah, we all have the same problems. We, we, we live a similar life. Nobody lives in a bubble. We may pretend that we, that we live in a superior plane, but we don't. Let me exhort you and invite you to try this. In your affliction, in some afflictions, let me give you the bad news. Some afflictions will never go away. Stop dreaming. Oh, but one day, one day, nothing. Today is the future of 10 years ago. And still, same mess, right? So stop dreaming. But I exhort you to consider this. Thank you, Father, for this affliction. Thank you for this lifelong affliction. Thank you for this lifelong pain and trauma and frustration and grief. Thank you for this lifelong horrible memory. Because it is me who has it, not my children. It is me who has it, not my spouse. And by the way, I'd rather be afflicted and walk close to you and be happy, enjoying the passing pleasures of sin away from your courts. Take a shot at it. The mindset changes completely about that affliction. The thorn in the flesh becomes the very instrument through which God's power and grace is manifested in your life. Because gratitude... In the fifth place, stems from acknowledging who God is. If you sit down and consider who is God, infinite, in power, in his being, in his might, in his presence, in his wisdom, in his righteousness, every attribute of God is infinite. And you consider who we are, who you are, who am I? You have no option but to be grateful. The problem is that we are entitled. And I would like to say something to the younger generation, because I was young once. You know one of the problems the younger generation has? That you get married, in the first five years you want to have what your parents had, and it took them 35 to get you know what's a mistake we parents make? Oh, let me see I can, how can I help them to be where I am. Because since my parents didn't help me, let me do something for them. And we're just destroying them. We're spoiling them. You know why? Because when you're young, you feel entitled. Thank you, world, that you have the honor of having me. <laughs> so we become grumblers, complainers. Demanding, the more you know God, the more you are grateful. Because God is a debtor to no one. Who gave God first? That it might be recompensed back to him. 
for him, by him, through him, in him are all things. And to him be the glory. So whatever you have is a gift that comes from someone who owes you or me absolutely nothing. That's where the gospel starts. I was a very religious person and a very good kid when I was a boy. And my, my struggling with the gospel was not to stop dancing. I've never been a good dancer. You've seen me in weddings dancing. It was not to stop drinking. I don't like alcohol. It was not to stop smoking. I don't like that stuff. That was not my problem. I'm an antisocial. My problem was that I was good. I was a good student. I was a good son. I was a good person. I was a good neighbor. What are you telling me that? I don't deserve anything from God. Because all sinned and all have fallen short from the glory of God. That was my stumbling block. Thank God he removed it in his kindness and in his mercy. But until we understand that God is debtor to no one, we will not have a grateful attitude. The conclusion is five lines. Will we live in gratitude or grumbling? It is a choice. No, no, you are grateful because you have it all. You have it made. First of all, I haven't made anything. But it has nothing to do with your surroundings. It is a choice. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. Psalm 9. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. Just sit down and take stock of the good things you've had from God. And then you say, I will give thanks. Psalm 104. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord. Forget none of his benefits. You just sit down to count those benefits, and I promise you that your praying will become more a mixture of thank you and forgive me. You say, what I've been praying all day. Well, thank you, thank you. Please forgive me, please forgive me. Thank you, thank you. You don't have time to complain. When you start counting what God has given to you, all the mercy he has bestowed upon you, if you know what I'm talking about. Gratitude or the lack of it, will actually set the pace for our day. I know that some of you are mothers of young children. My children are grown up and married now, but they were little. They were not born 32 and 26 and pregnant. No, no. They were little like yours. And they bogged a lot. A lot. I know what it was having a fever, headache. And having this guy just waiting for me with a baseball bat or a baseball glove. And it was either I play with him or I just go to bed. Let's go for it. And I'll get a Tylenol later. I know exactly what it feels. Do it with gratitude. Because those bugging children you have are the dream of people who couldn't have or want to have and not have them. Count what you have the same circumstance. You have a nagging spouse? Who doesn't? Whenever I know my wife is perfect. My husband is a perfect husband. Really. 
doesn't exist. You know how many single people and how many widows would not die to have a nagging person around them, just bugging them? Can you imagine sending a text to your wife sitting by you? Can you give me a glass of water? And you're just there with her. I do that. <laughs> Should have been thrown out of the house. Yes. Or our jobs that stink. Oh, the dream job. Nobody has a dream job. There's this curse in Genesis 3. Adam blew it. And God said to him, from now on, you will make your money, you'll make a living with sweat. And I work for this wonderful company that I've been with 32 years. They pay me an incredible amount of money that I do not deserve, I promise you. And I keep telling them. And they think, oh no, we need you. You don't need me, guys. And I complain. And I work sitting in my house, and my traffic is if Simba is on the way from the counter table where I eat breakfast to the room I have my office. If Simba is there, there's traffic that day. If he's not there, no traffic to my workplace. And I complain. And I'm just sitting there, answering phones or Teams meetings or writing things or whatever it is that I have to do. And I complain. Because it's an attitude. Gratitude is an attitude. It has nothing to do with what we do or with our circumstances. Gratitude is an evidence of grace in the heart. It is a reflection of knowing our condition and knowing the God who takes care of our provision. We are undeserving of that grace. We are sovereignly chosen. And we are unconditionally loved. I don't like to say we're Calvinists, we're Reformed, we're whatever. I don't like those because sometimes those are the most grumbling, sour, angry Christians you come across with. But if you really understand Calvinism, if you really understand God's sovereignty, (laughs) then you will be grateful. You will be grateful all day long. Because it is an attitude. It is a disposition. I'm going to use an example, and I'm going to do name-dropping. My children are not here, so I have to pick on you. Where's Carl? Oh, there you are. There's Carl. Name-dropping. It's your turn today, Carl. (laughs) You know that Carl lost a son, right? His son was killed. Gregory used to sit on on those chairs. He was a youngster. And we forgot... Three weeks ago, two weeks ago, Shorty tells me, did you go to, to Greg's funeral? I said, no, was there a funeral? Yeah, yeah, we, we, there was something on Facebook. There was a funeral in Parkland, was it? Park, Miramar, close by. Nobody knew because we didn't announce it. So I called Carl, dying of shame. Carl, I'm sorry, brother. We left you alone. We left you hanging out there. And Carl is 
filled with gratitude. No, no, no. I didn't expect any of you. This is too far. That ain't any far. That's just half an hour from here on a Sunday in the turnpike. But he was filled with gratitude. No, I'm so thankful for your praying. I'm so thankful for the offering the church gave me. He even brought a return of the offering. I found out that it, no, it was too much and I had to bring, I had to bring money back. And he's just, I mean, what's the word? Spewing gratitude. I don't know if I'm using the right word, but he's just distilling gratitude. And his son died. And we were not at his funeral because, because we didn't know on time where was the funeral. That's gratitude. Now, there's a person who left Cornerstone many years ago. And that person left Cornerstone because when I was a pastor and his father died, I didn't call him on time. Now, he's right. I am not saying, look at that person and look at me. No, no, no. My bad. I didn't call him on time. I should have called him. I should have pampered him. I should have been there for him. And I was a bad pastor. My bad. But are you getting the point of the difference? It's obvious the difference. Because gratitude is not tied to circumstances. It's tied to what we think. Grumbling is a mark of being destitute of God's grace. We love to quote Romans 1. Love it. Those whom God gave them over to commit passions that are against nature, homosexuality and lesbianism. May go to jail for saying that. But the Bible says it, they are passions against nature. We love to quote the passage and decry the LBGTQ plus movement. Do you know where it starts? Verse 21. Although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. That being given over started with not giving thanks to God. How serious it is, that stuff. That's the level of it. Now, realism, life is hard. Yes, it is hard. When we are ungrateful and grumbling... We focus on what we lack. When we focus on what we lack, we operate around what we're missing. When we operate around what we're missing, we make the wrong decision. I'm going to make a simple example. You're complaining about your old clunker car. I have one, 14 years old. And the stupid air conditioner cools on the side of Maria Luisa, and on my side, it doesn't cool. I think it's on purpose. So, I have two options. I get really angry and go buy a new car for thousands of dollars, or I wait for Ganer to sometime visit Miami, because now he lives in Virginia, says, hey brother, can you fix my AC, and then solve it with a couple of hundred bucks. If I'm a grumbler, complainer, angry person because I don't have a nice car, 
I'll go and dish out a lot of money that I don't even have and get a loan that I cannot even afford, and I'm not speaking about me, I'm speaking in general terms, to solve my lack of happiness and will only make myself more miserable. And people do that with jobs, with partners, with spouses, with life. Because they're just trying to fill the hole that only God can fill. But when you're grateful, your head is cool, and you will be able to make better decisions. You will not sell desperate and sell cheap, and you will not buy desperate and buy angry. And those who do that are the ones who are not grateful, but are grumblers. Therefore, if God gave his son while we were yet enemies, if while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us, if we have been made heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if the riches of Christ await us, then rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. Because that is the will of God for you. And I love it. Paul says, in Christ Jesus. Put the cross before you. Put your Redeemer. Put your hope. And change the cassette. And may God help us to be grateful. And to honor him with our gratitude. Father, bless your word, we pray. And... uh, Despite the interruptions, despite the distractions, bless your word. Seal it to our hearts. Help us to change how we think about you, about your kindness, about your providence. Help me, Father, to deal with my own grumbling during the week. Help us to honor you by being known for our gratitude, for being grateful people. Thank you. For all your blessings, the ones we can count, and so many infinite ones that we cannot even measure or be aware of. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.